on let's go welcome to another episode of the uru labs podcast from bengaluru ever complain how bad our cities are how bad your commute is you'll get to hear from people who are working to solve these problems in their own way this is your weekly soapbox for urban sustainability and i am satya sankaran our guest today is shama karkal she has spent more than two and a half decades in the health and social development space shama has worked closely with urban and rural communities in india on health and social development since 1996 she has earned her master's degree from the school of social work university of maryland baltimore in the usa with a focus on management and community organizing she has specializations in strategic non-profit management from harvard business school and public policy from Takshashila Institution. As its CEO, Shama has been representing Swasti Health Catalyst at the Asia-Pacific Alliance for Sexual and Reproductive Health and has been the chair of the steering committee. Her most recent efforts at establishing COVID action collab during the pandemic has been noteworthy to say the least. It put a wide variety of organizations working together into a collaborative. She is a systems thinker and she works at the intersection of health, community, finances and technology. And that is going to be appropriate for our discussion today. Welcome to the show, Shama. Thanks very much, Satya. Very happy to be here. Let me lead with this question. Are people in our cities healthy? <laughs> um, I guess a great way to get started. And um, I wish I had a straight answer for you. Um, what I can tell you is probably two things. Um, I don't think we have an overall measure for health in itself, right? And I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. But I think the challenge is that we don't have um, a measure for overall health. Uh, and therefore, we can't say all people in the city are uh, healthy or the um, city itself is healthy. And then the second piece is that uh, through our surveys, etc., we do get information about um various parameters related to health uh, and socioeconomic factors. And what we can say that those with better resources are healthier, those without the resources are not as healthy. And I think um, that is uh, the fact of our cities, right? Uh, they're not as equitable as we would. There is this distinction between private health and public health and how they relate <laughs> to each other. Because, you know, the the... the Public health is the collective health of people is what defines how healthy the city is going to be and what kind of things are going to be. Just help me explain health to the people, right? What what yeah. does no, comprise of really? No, I'm I'm very glad you brought up this question and it, it's something that I um, dwell on a lot or I work on and discuss a lot. Uh, and I think two things, especially when you bring it up in the context of public and private health, uh, that itself has separate meanings. Um, so I'm going to first zoom out to what health. in itself is right and i think if you look at the who definition of what health is it's talking about complete physical mental and social well-being right um but unfortunately um and i asked my 9 year old um, a couple of years ago when he was 9 and i asked my son what is health and he says uh, hospitals and doctors and i said oh god we seem to have lost the plot um so i think unfortunately most of us when we think of health we're thinking of illness and being illness free but that's actually not at all what health is about if you look at the large definition of saying uh, physical emotional social well-being then there's a lot that goes into keeping us healthy and uh, if you then to where to talk about what is public health as a um a discipline or an area of work and that is actually about preventing people from getting sick or ill 
right? Uh, I think those two things are, um, and, and uh, like many other things, we have a way of breaking things down and using language. Uh, the public health and um, private health that a lot of people are talking about comes down at uh, the level of sickness care, right? And where we're talking about who provides care for people when they're ill or unwell um, versus public health as a discipline, which is about many, many things of preventing people from getting sick. And, and actually, um, in that context, I think what you know, your podcast does in terms of talking about the urban environment uh, is very relevant because a lot of that is about health in all policies um, and therefore health for all. Right? Um, and so, for example, I think um, uh, something you work on a lot and have worked on a lot, Satya, in the past is, is just uh, urban mobility. Right? And we know the, for a fact that if people are moving um, on their legs, especially, or cycling, uh, they are likely to be, um, you know, in better shape and therefore able to prevent sickness and illness, right? And so I think the fact that um, that is something in an urban context is very important, is not only important from just an urban mobility point of view, but I think from a uh, urban health perspective is extremely important. So let's get to the physical, mental and uh, the social parts of uh, social. health that you're talking about. If you say mm -hmm. preventing sickness is the role of the government in general and that is where public health is who then handles the physical mental and the social part how do how do you how do i view this distinction between that uh, their role and my individual goal to be able to not just be physically uh, uh, healthy but also mentally and socially healthy what does it mean to me yeah, yeah. oh brilliant question right so and i think um, the way to look at this is um, public health is therefore about promoting protecting the health of all people um, and, and the community, right? And I think um, where we live, and I think this is where uh, local government becomes even more important because there are different kinds of government. Um, and so therefore, we're talking about safe place to live, learn, work, play. Um, and we're talking about uh, promoting and protecting our health, right? So when we talk about, uh, interestingly, when we talk about uh, government uh, and including local government, city governments, I think it is about quality of life right? Um, and therefore, mm. then everything that uh, the different parts of the government come into play. Uh, and we may not think about government like that. But mm. for example, um, it is not just about the facilities that provide care, uh, which are which are healthcare providers are definitely part of the health, but it is also about housing, it is also about transport, it is also about the environment, right? Um, it is also about water, Mm. It is about sanitation. It is about food. So actually, it is all of government which is working. It is about safety, right? If people are not feeling safe and are not able to move around, you can't have a good quality of life. So therefore, it is actually um, very interdepartmental or across all government departments when we're talking about the kind of um, health that we all actually aspire for and wanting to work with. And, and so therefore, I, I think government plays a very, very significant role uh, and all government departments and definitely local uh, government plays a very strong role. And one of the things that, I mean, I want to emphasize because you brought this up and I believe it's very important is the whole role of people and communities, right? I think we have a, uh, especially in the context of government, we always see 
uh, that somebody has to provide for somebody else or somebody else thinks for somebody else. But I think a big part of what um, we see and we recognize as being very important important is the participation of people in all of those processes. So if you look at um, healthy cities, and by the way, there is a whole campaign that um, WHO has had for 40 odd years now, uh, looking at healthy cities in themselves, right? Um, Participation of people is a critical aspect of uh, staying healthy, being healthy and creating or co-creating those environments that enable better health for all of us. And I think that's very, very important. We, we don't look at it that way. We look at it as service provision one side and somebody else uses it. Uh, but I, I think looking at uh, people, people's participation in various ways at various levels is a, is a big part of what we talk about when we talk about uh, public health and uh, healthy people and healthy cities i somehow believe that the government it's easy for them to deliver this hard infrastructure so building hospitals putting doctors delivering the sickness care becomes uh, easier for people to do but uh, it's interesting you bring up communities before we go into healthy cities and tie to the government what how exactly should communities involve them what is what does it mean that the community should step up and take care? How are we supposed to gather ourselves? What kind of community are we talking about? And when you're talking about communities, I also know that there are a lot of nonprofits working in the healthcare space. Is uh, the civil society itself, how do you see that playing? What is the role of community in health? So I think, uh, I mean, typically when we think of families or people, we're thinking of individuals and families, right? Uh, And I think we forget uh, community as an sort of an intermediary or in-between level uh, because uh, as individuals and and families, we are able to do something which is perhaps within um, our realm of control. But I think as when we think about communities, whether we think about it as um, residents of a local neighborhood Uh, or residents of a city, right, or ward or constituency, Um, or we talk about people who have um, cyclists at a community, right, because you have a certain passion. Um, So there are are different ways in which we can look at community. And I think uh, as community, we all um, are able to exert uh, collectively more effort than we are as individuals or individual families. Uh, And why is that important? It is important because we influence the way uh, things can be done or things are done, right? Again, I'm going to take an example of, um, you know, today Bengaluru is is like a running capital. I, I have people who come to me and say, oh, we didn't realize there are so many running events, right? Uh, and there is something happening pretty much throughout the year. And what does that do? That creates a certain environment. It motivates others to come in and get involved. Uh, There is a whole set of organizations working around running in itself, right? Uh, Some run it like a business because uh, people pay and and so there's an economic aspect to that. And there are people who run it as a nonprofit where the money that they make actually goes back into say education for children or something else. Now, um, am am I saying running is um, the only thing for health? No, but it has an health angle to it, right? You're increasing movement uh, and being active is a very important piece of um, being physically active is a very important part of actually staying healthy. Um, and there's there's evidence, right? The, the more active you are, the more physically active you stay or um, overall health will improve uh, in the long term. So now the the, the question of how does a community function in these kinds of contexts is the pressure that it exerts. So there's an economic angle to it. There's an environmental uh, angle to it. And that community together itself will behave differently. 
right? You will see, I mean, I think all of us who are part of uh, running groups or cycling groups or other groups will see that there is a behavior. So uh, if, if it is citizens working together for a cleaner neighborhood, you will see that they will all be far more uh, aware, will um, not only aware of what, what is going on on in their cities, but they will in you know sort of push their neighbors and other people in their areas to not do certain things or to do certain things in a certain way. So I think we don't uh, recognize the value of community often enough, but it really is. I mean, I think, let me go back to the pandemic times. And I think what community did uh, was actually exemplary. Right. Um, in apartments, it was the Resident Welfare Association, which is another form of community, which actually took care of the elderly and, you know, tracked who was living alone and made sure they had groceries. Um, we had in, in in other neighborhoods, we were we knew that there were people tracking those who are ill or, you know, needed to get to assistance and they set up ways locally to actually respond. Right. So whether in, in illness times or from um, an activity perspective, there are various community or citizen initiatives uh, which are very important and do influence the way things are working in, in a context, in any context. I mean, it works in rural as well, but definitely in an, an urban context and has links to both the environment, um, to the economy and to the way we all behave as a community. That's very interesting. So the social influence uh, factor is what brings the community uh, together, but uh, let's address the non-profit angle as well. Because if the government is expected as a part of the their role to look at public health, education, uh -huh. health, the defense is some of these key things that the government is supposed to do as a part of it. Yeah. Why are there so many non-profits? Second, second part of that question, maybe you can answer them together. Is uh, uh -huh. health itself is a state subject, but we see the Central Ministry of Health doing a lot more than the states. And you, you mentioned local government, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the city government and at that level as well. But I don't see that happening as well. Other than just maintaining PHCs and delivering the bare minimum required, uh, there seems to be a lot more happening, schemes coming out and things like that at the central government. The state is doing certain things. I don't know what it is. And the most visible thing you see is the city government and the PHC. But considering your definition of health and the way it needs to be, this seems like a large ecosystem of something that I can't put my hands on in the urban space. <laughs> I look in the city and I don't understand where is health in this uh, thing. How do we unpack yeah. this? No, so, um, I, I mean, I, I think that is um, a struggle for many of us, right? It is a very, very large ecosystem if you're talking about health as an outcome for all our people. Um, and it becomes easier then for people to break break things down and work on, on parts uh, because that's always easier, right? And, and that's really why we also have the kind of uh, fragmentation, I believe, right? Because we say, uh, I will do this part and somebody else will do that part, but then we become siloed and we don't, we don't, we become siloed and we don't actually look at, hey, uh, even if you're working separately, it's somewhere this all needs to come together and therefore this is the big picture. And that is honestly uh, the challenge of some of, um, some of our large issues, whether it's education, whether it's health and um, uh, many other things, including the environment today, right? Um, but I, I think the, uh, Two questions. So let's let's address the the civil society uh, piece, right? Um, just like the market, right? Wherever the market sees an opportunity, the market goes in and uh, will take that up, right? And I think it's the same with people. When we recognize that 
um, hey, this is the way that we think the world should work and government is doing its part, but it's not enough. Uh, and we need to play a role. We play that role. Right. Uh, and not all problems can be solved only from a market lens. And obviously, government is already working to solve it um, to the to the best that the way they see it. So I think civil society comes in to say, how can we address this differently? Right. So, for example, if community participation is not a strong component and it typically isn't when you look at the market um, or the government, then civil society creates those spaces for people to participate and push for people's participation, uh, give create opportunities where uh, people can use that space. So I look at civil society as another way that um, the larger community, larger society is actually working with government and with the private sector, uh, with the market to actually change the way uh, or work together to achieve health and well-being. Right? Um, why are there so many organizations? Because I don't think um, you know everything can be done uh, by just the market or the government. And so people will get involved. And, and that's my take on why there are so many uh, civil society organizations. I see uh, panchayats as a way of um, uh, people participating, right? Uh, is, is civil society participation. It may not be an organization, but it is still a civil society uh, process. Uh, similarly, work committees, right? And so we have some more which come from a governance point of view, but there are others, like I mentioned, RWAs before or... Um, other clubs and groups, the Rotary, you know, many, many ways in which uh, people organize, come together and try and address what they see as being a gap in the way the world currently works today. Um, so that's sort of my take on uh, civil society. Um, if we if we were to come to, um, in, in a uh, city context, to look at health, right? Like I said, the determinants of health and good health are several. Um, but typically, uh, you will see that um, most municipal corporations have uh, some uh, health-related work that they do. Right? Um, and in cities which are capitals um, uh, and also state capitals, etc., this gets a little murky in the sense that you can't tell really what is uh, made available through the corporation, what's available um, uh, through my state, and what's coming from, say, the center, which you mentioned earlier. But uh, in, in smaller places, um, whether they're smaller towns and cities or even in rural areas, that uh, distinction is easier because the numbers are smaller, right? Cities tend to have a lot uh, packed in from all forms of government and all, all of the um, market, let's say, the private sector. And of course, then there are civil society players as well who are also offering services. So it can be very confusing to navigate that. Um, right now, if you were to look at the urban context, uh, from a pure healthcare um, access point of view, um, the city corporations will have some level of care provision uh, in the city you'll you'll see for example in bengaluru you'll see uh, bbmp uh, clinics right uh, we used to have primary health care centers which is um, um, a national program uh, and now they are called health and wellness centers and you'll see uh, in different parts of the city that um, primary health care centers are being upgraded to being health and wellness centers um, we have of course additional initiatives like uh, in karnataka you are seeing um, the launch of Namma clinics in the city, uh, and that's an effort to go even closer. So uh, health and uh, Namma clinics are sort of 
um, lower than the or sub to the health and wellness centers. They're below the health and wellness centers and are intended to be closer to people, more within the community, within the neighborhood, uh, and making certain healthcare services uh, available. And of course, then you have the network of outreach, which is typically um, in the rural areas, it's called ASHAs, and in urban areas, they're called OSHAs. Um, these are your urban social health activists. Uh, who are to engage with the community and identify needs and challenges and also enable the health department services to reach uh, people, right? So that would be a, and of course, then you have uh, the district facilities. In a city, um, uh, you know, our large hospitals, both from the public side, um, and then you have the private side, make it a little bit confusing to understand which one is at what level. But that's typically... Um, you have a sub-center or a NAMMA clinic, you have a primary health care center or health and um, wellness center as they're known now. You have the uh, CHC, the community health centers, which is one level above, then you have the district hospital. That's the sort of a facility hierarchy, so to speak, um, uh, in, a, in a general context. Cities, yes, can be more confusing. And uh, I'm just surprised that they even added wellness to this. This kind of says that they're at least you know, going yes. beyond just removing diseases, right? Is, is, oh, do you course. see that attitudinal shift across? You worked across the country. You worked in many <laughs> yes. cities and many places. Uh, are they all, how are they placed? Are they getting better? Are they getting worse? Uh, which cities yeah. do you see progressing better, uh, thinking differently? adding wellness in their name. <laughs> no, so the health and wellness centers are, is across the board, is across the country, right? Um, so uh, actually, I, I want to say that our national health policy, which came out in uh, 2017, is very progressive, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it is talking about wellness. It is talking about uh, achieving health for all people, in uh, helping people achieve their potential. I think it's, it's huge in what a policy statement says. Uh, but we also know that from policy to implementation takes time and takes effort. And, and that is where I feel the effort is not just by the government. It requires both the private and the people to be working with um, uh, the government in achieving that sort of vision that we have in the national uh, policy statement. So health and wellness centers um, is the direction because that is the policy direction broadly for the country. Uh, and health and wellness centers do, for example, um, uh, for yoga day, we'll have yoga programs, um, are meant to look at other aspects in the community. So the aim um, is to get broader and address all of these issues. I think... Um, to me, one of the, the challenges is that um, it is still a little more facility and public health, or well, let's not say public health, a health department focused um, effort. It still needs a little bit more uh, interdepartmental uh, or what is typically used in the world. I mean, the language is convergence, right? More departments working together because that's how um, things will uh, add up more, right? So for, and, I, and again, to give you a point, Wellness in terms of uh, yoga, exercise, uh, bringing community get together, all important. But basics of, say, housing or good quality food, um, um, uh, you know, did I mention water already? So yeah. these are things which are outside of health and wellness centers, 
right? But they have very large determinants of uh, quality of life and whether you actually have uh, good life. And then, I mean, I think now with climate change, everybody's talking about it, but we have known for a very long time that an urban area is not equitable, right? Some mm. of us live in very good neighborhoods. Some of us live in urban slums. And if you live in a slum and you're living on top of a drain, um, your quality of life is affected simply because of where you're living, right? So I think those are other aspects which are outside of the health department, outside of what is possible through health and wellness centers and where the need for convergence, joint working, uh, working with civil society and private sector, et cetera, comes into play. And and I honestly think, um, you know, urban planning is a is a actually part of a public health discipline because how That's you plan nice. a city and how you run it uh, is going to affect the health of everyone in that city, right? And, and remember, it's not just the physical health, right? Uh, whether I can get to work, easily i come back and i have space to run play uh, those are all important determinants of my quality of life and um, the, uh, how much i'm able to achieve my full potential that link between the quality of life and hence planning and then looking forward into the health is such a powerful correlation of course and and to the point that you were making about sort of healthy cities what cities are good etc right i think um, right now, uh, and I mentioned the Healthy City campaign uh, earlier, mm. uh, it's a WHO-driven campaign for uh, multiple decades. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a campaign that's run across the world um, in the sense you have um, cities globally across all the different regions uh, that are working to uh, achieve. And remember, being a healthy city is not a it's not a one-time status, right? I mean, I can clean the road and say this is the cleanest road uh, or the cleanest city, and we do have clean cities in India. But healthy cities is a journey, right? I can never say we've achieved and we're done because it's an evolution. Uh, but nonetheless, there are many cities who've been on that journey and been on that journey for multiple decades. Um, what is disappointing is that we don't have cities in India so far uh, who are on that journey. Uh, I've been working with one city uh, to get them started on that journey, and that is the city of Bhopal. And and that journey is about saying, um, how do we look at an urban context uh, and not plan just for, um, say, uh, infrastructure, which you mentioned earlier, right? Uh, which is perhaps about housing, building, uh, roads, many other things. But how do we actually think about uh, people and their lives in the context of the city. What is it going to require? Can we create um, a vision and then all work together uh, with participation of people in um, the private sector and the government uh, and start that journey? Um, so we have clean cities. You know, we have those lists that get announced every year, uh, but we don't yet have um, cities that are rated in India or measure themselves on saying uh, we're trying to get healthy. Uh, in the largest definition of that health possible. That brings me to the question of measure that you answered in the very first question, which is, mm-hmm. what does it take to put a measure in place? What, uh, how, how are they rating clean? Clean cities is probably a little easier because you just have to measure how much dirt there is. So I'm just being simplistic, <laughs> but I'm just saying, how do you do you just in health? What do you say? Do you say if there are no diseases, you're healthy, or no? But now we have to measure mental and social. What are, how do we even proceed on the track of measuring health? 
and then relate yeah. it back to all the things you said good infrastructure not having drains with dirty water flowing in it having clean roads and not having stagnant water which gives you malaria let's talk about the measure are there any how do you get around okay. to measuring this yes yes okay so uh, i mean and then this is in the context of health and public health um, you know uh, sort of a debated subject again a lot of people have done a lot of research on uh, can you measure quality of life right so there are actually ways to measure quality of life the quality of life measurement is actually um, has very little to do with disease right uh, so yes morbidity disease prevalence all of that important i'm please you know i'm not trying to say they're not important but they're only one uh, aspect of what is quality of life you know it's very interesting um, you can have people who are um, you know living with a condition but actually feel that everything is good in their life right so just having a condition or having something else doesn't mean that your quality of life deteriorates whereas you can have somebody who's actually uh, doesn't have any condition or a disease but actually feels miserable because of other things in their life so this this quality of life measure actually does exist uh, it's not used enough right uh, it's one of the things that my organization is also pushing for is to say how do we look at a quality of life measure uh, versus just measuring for uh, mortality or morbidity uh, things like that so that's one piece i think the second piece is how do cities measure because you can look at mm. population level measures etc but how do cities measure this because like we saw or like we discussed there are many things that come together when we're talking about a city and talking about um, healthy city so what is interesting is just earlier uh, this year or i think at the end of 2022 or beginning of 2023 um because there has been so much work by some cities over multiple decades to talk about healthy cities um there are now indicators uh, or at least a set of indicators that cities can start to measure to actually say am i headed in that direction right we assume that um there's no uh, achieved status because you can keep improving but at least is there a way for me to measure and so there was a list of um, about 53 indicators that were uh, put out there is a paper mm. that's available um and uh, to measure um uh, whether a city is healthy or not right and and that's one of the things that again like i mentioned i'm working on healthy cities and bhopal is the city that we're working on um we've come up with a set of indicators because we wanted to make sure that it was um adapted for the indian context and our current realities so uh, actually from the 53 that is in this uh, paper we have now expanded that to about 60 indicators um, and those are indicators that we will look at current data on and hopefully keep measuring over time and the idea is that uh, eventually we will actually see progress against all those indicators um, so it it won't because it is so many things and and again just to give an example for bhopal we're looking at food right we're looking at water and we're looking at sanitation uh, we're looking at the environment and the environment pillar is actually sort of a large pillar because it includes um safety law it looks at public spaces looks at the built environment looks at many aspects um industrial waste for example all of those aspects which come into the environment um of course transport uh, was part of it um and and then you have um the last pillar which is individual and family health right so now across these we have indicators um and we're working to actually put out a status report uh, hopefully by the end of this year we'll have that status report across these indicators and then be able to measure the work that happens over the next few years to see whether there is progress against all the other the indicators so uh, not a simple thing 
but possible to do if cities make up their mind to do it. I can understand the complexity in this kind of measurement uh, because there are so many parameters, like you said, that uh, directly and indirectly contribute to health. I've been saying many people as well, right? Like simple things like people tell me, why do I have to cycle when I can buy a electric vehicle, a mot- <laughs> motor scooter, and I am saving you on the pollution? But then I come back and say, yes, you are. But here's a small health quotient that you might get additionally benefited because of doing that extra activity or walking to a place, uh, walking half a kilometer to your bus stand or whatever it takes, 200 meters, uh, getting those short trips on in more active mobility modes. This is one of the reasons I wanted to get you on is so much of work happening around the preventive part of things and not just the clinical. Our focus on is mostly on the clinical. Yeah. And but tell me about the preventive part of things, right? All of these things in the city that make you more active, that create more movement, like you said, and possibly having cleaner surroundings and having a cleaner city, uh, there must be some way of, I know that might not be measured, but there has to be some way of measuring uh, every little good quality of life that you bring has X amount of impact on your health, not just for the people who have the resources, like you said, but even but for, for people who don't have access to resources. Absolutely. And and I think that from a, a healthy city construct, from a concept, I think uh, having that equity, that equitableness in a city context, because um, what we've seen is that um, in urban areas, if you look at who has the poorest health, it tends to be uh, the lower most socioeconomic strata that has the poorest health. And actually, in an urban context, um, they actually have worse health than even their rural counterparts, right? So we know that people who live in urban uh, slums or uh, lower socioeconomic strata, the migrants, etc., uh, their health, they would actually, in terms of an health, purely from a you know mortality, morbidity point of view, they would be better off in a rural area. Um, so I think equity in a health uh, in an uh, in a city context is extremely important. Um, and you know when you were talking about the cars and when we were talking about the health, um, I, I mean again just a couple of things to keep in mind, right? If, if you look at um, there is now uh, data to indicate, or there is enough information evidence to indicate that um, you know food and exercise are, are sort of critical factors to human health and longevity. And I think the next big thing, of course, mm. now we're talking about is uh, the climate, right? As heat increases, you're mm. going to see an adverse impact um, on human health. Um, and we are all here uh, in South Asia, parts of Asia are going to see that increase in heat. We've seen this has been the hottest um, year in history, I think, right? So uh, the, the environment, uh, food, um, uh, mobility, being able to move around physically are, are, are critical. Um, they're critical not just from physical health, but remember that going out and being in the sun is very, very good for your emotional health and well-being as well. Being able to be outside with people uh, and in, in things that you are uh, actually able to enjoy, right? Whether that is a, a street theater performance or, um, you know, a music program or something else are not just physically uh, important. They're important for your emotional well-being. It's important for your connectedness uh, and contribution. So again, I think when we talk about healthy cities and um, we have a position paper on it, again, I'll be happy to share that with you. You look back over history and, and culture and heritage becomes a big piece of that as well. Right. And I think oftentimes in a city context and health, those are not 
aspects that we look at uh, or consider important, but they are very important to uh, creating uh, not just health from a, a physical health point of view, but the broader sense of health and definitely from a well-being perspective, very, very so um, I, I think equity and equity for uh, all of these aspects, right? Why should some people have more access to culture, heritage or public spaces or parks? Um, actually, one of the conversations that I was having with um, a few weeks ago and has stayed in my head is that, um, you know, while we have a lot of green parks and a lot of walking tracks, we don't have enough playgrounds for our children. And not having enough playgrounds for our children is uh, a big, uh, both social, uh, emotional and physical aspect in the future that we're going to see it being a detriment, right? Uh, and to not consider that when we are designing our cities, uh, I think we're being myopic, right? We keep increasing the sizes of our homes and decreasing the size of our playgrounds. And actually, I think playgrounds are far more important than the size of our homes. So I agree with you. And those, those uh, few parks that we have are also gated, locked, excluded for a lot of people out of the three parks i have in my neighborhood one of it has a temple and the other one has been built up into a library and a community center and there's only one left which a laughter club or something keeps it locked all through the day you just have to look at it from the outside i think we are doing a tremendous amount of disservice in the public space uh, you were talking about impact right if you were to and, and on your uh, podcast i've i've uh, had the privilege to listen to some people i wanted to bring up this i mean two facts that i want to share with you right one Tokyo does feature as a healthy city, right? And Tokyo has come up on your podcast before. So I just had to place that there. The fact that, um, you know, people are walking around, um, you get better mobility, um, you and they have small houses, but that doesn't seem to, you know, be uh, uh, affect the quality of life. So if you are talking about health, uh, and I enjoyed that. And I, this is something that I wanted to connect this episode with all your other episodes is Tokyo does feature uh, in the top five healthy cities, right? Number one. The other thing that I wanted to bring up is um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Mubin Sayed. Um, he was at TEDx Bangalore here. And uh, what, you know, what I took away and something that I hadn't probably, despite my years of work in um, public health, recognized was that as South Asians, um, we just need far more physical activity than is even recommended globally, right? Mm. I think we say 150 to 180 minutes per week of physical activity is the standard. Uh, and you'll have to watch uh, Mobin's video to understand why. But I think for the South Asian population, it's probably double, right? Very interesting. Which just means that what you were just saying about physical mobility, uh, being walking around, um, is, is critical for us, right? So to me, I mean, when I look at cities, uh, the idea of 15-minute cities or livable cities is is has to, has to have the ability to get people walking around and getting and moving around uh, and not driving around. And of course, we know that the driving has um, many other challenges. But I think the simple fact that if you are physically... Uh, doing things, going out for grocery shopping, right? Walking around to play, going to do your normal chores and you're doing that uh, because you can walk around. Uh, but our cities are not designed for that, right? Mm. Our, our sidewalks are too narrow, crumbling. Uh, most people, even when they're walking in the mornings, are not in the parks, they're walking on the roads, right? Um, and, and those are, I, I think, honest challenges. And if we are talking about 
India being a diabetes capital and things like that. And again, now very narrowly looking at it from um, uh, from a disease perspective, uh, movement, mobility, and then your food are, are, are critical determinants of that. Right? And I, I don't think we do uh, enough on that, uh, honestly. I agree with you. And now this is, this, this is the link that is very interesting is we don't appreciate these linkages between health and how we build our cities and how we are asking mm-hmm. for our facilities in the public commons too often than not we treat it's like your physics chemistry math biology kind of a thing right you think they are subjects but in life they are all one and the same <laughs> they appear in all of us so we may have divided for administrative purposes into health and city corporation and elect whatever right uh, the water water body and but in a city they are all together and they have an influence on each other and every time we have a talk about uh, our public health or personal health and we are not healthy and uh, you know it it is directly correlated to how your city is and how you behave in it every day if you build a city for motor vehicles and just consumption and just sta- uh, with with more and more work becoming uh, sedentary of of course you're you're going to be susceptible to a different set of uh, diseases that are coming in and different types of health yep. parameters. But this brings me to the question around the uh, what the market is doing, right? There's a, <laughs> we've, we've basically seen, at least from where I sit, I can see a lot of hospitals uh, and health centers and gyms. What do you see is the role of uh, uh, the market in promoting better health? Uh, are we getting away from less junk being sold uh, and our city is going to get better by these kind of things? What's your opinion? Um, okay, so yeah, I, I wish there was a straight answer to that. Uh, but like we, I mean, I said earlier, the market does play a role, uh, play a role across all of these aspects, right? So uh, if we were talking about healthcare provision uh, from a cl- clinical um, treatment perspective, what we know is, of course, that um, secondary and tertiary care, which is where you talk about hospitals, and in, in healthcare, we talk about uh, primary care, primary, secondary, tertiary. So again, a tiering that happens there. A large part of the private sector is um, in the um, secondary and tertiary care. Obviously, mm. um, there is money to be made or there is business value there. Right? Uh, preventing um, illness uh you know and i i think we all know these whatsapp forwards right where we say uh, a pedestrian doesn't even buy a cycle and a cyclist doesn't add to the economy right so preventing illness uh actually doesn't has no business case uh, in the market side of things right and i'd love to be corrected if there are um you know private players who are actually talking about preventing illness but a majority of them are in um, the secondary and tertiary care, which is when once people are sick, we will take care of you. Absolutely essential. But that's where a large, large part of the private sector is. Um, they're also in now technology and diagnostics and pharmaceuticals, of course. And uh, like you said, in nutrition, there's a lot because, of course, uh, we have problems with um, soil quality and what's happened over decades of the quality of our soil. So therefore, um Given that, you know, probably our food is not as nutritious as it could be, we have the whole, you know, supplements industry and, you know, nutrition, etc. So, of, of course, the private sector takes a large uh, part in that, 
right? And I think um, when it comes to, of course, water, we know that there is a, a whole range of the uh, the market that plays in water, uh, whether it's uh, when our pipes and taps run dry, to have tankers which come and, and supply the water to the bottled water, and now all kinds of sparkling flavored and what other kinds of water. So, I mean, I, I think the private sector is everywhere in, in many aspects of what affects our um, health. Uh, of course, in infrastructure as well. So, um, and I wouldn't get into that, right? But I think the market does have a strong role to play, must play a role from not just um, uh, a business or a profit-making side of it, but where are we actually headed in terms of um, human health, uh, planet health today, right? Because I think we see uh, the private sector, which is interested in looking at their value chains, their supply chain, and saying, what can we do differently? And that's very, very important. Uh, definitely uh, on the agri side and the food side of things. I think, uh, is junk decreasing? No, unfortunately not. Um, I think there are very active lobbies to try and prevent uh, people from understanding what is right and what is wrong, right? I mean, I think uh, the more your food is processed, the more problematic it is. I mean, that's just the thumb rule. Um, and we need to have less processed food uh, but that's not, again, uh, something the private sector or the market is yeah. going to say because that's that's um, an economic engine. But I think more locally grown, uh, less processed food uh, is better for us. Um, and uh, I think that's, you know, oftentimes where the civil society and the government comes in to play that mm. role is of information, enablement, uh, creating the understanding that um, there are ways to do this, but we need to be doing it differently. Um, I, I don't see enough yet willing private sectors saying that we will change the way we do our business because it, there is um, there is harm being done to uh, society and to people. And, and I'd like to see more of that uh, happen, of course, uh, definitely when it comes to food. Right. I mean, I think yeah, one definitely. thing that needs to change immediately is uh, TV channels that, you know, sell junk to our children. Uh, I, I cannot believe that it has not happened. Uh, but the fact that we're pumping uh, so much processed foods and sugar into our children, uh, yeah. I mean, adults at least have the opportunity to understand when we make choices, but children are easily influenced, don't understand, and will go simply by taste. And I think that is a problem. This is the civil society role as well, right? I, I see a lot of private individuals now on video, somebody saw someone is going around reading labels and telling them what is the truth, right? The same thing with, uh, I keep telling, we're eating carrots, thinking there's some vitamins in that. I don't even know how much of it is there and how much of it is just pesticides. We aren't testing our vegetables enough to know that what we think is there, is it really there, right? And nutrition, reading nutrition labels and making them, you know, more aware of uh, how to read. There's a lot we can do on the health side, personal health and uh, community behavior on uh, public health. This is a absolutely stunning conversation, uh, uh, it just opened my eyes. I'm not somebody who understands the health space other than the personal health, of course. But I do know that on the public health side, a lot of focus is on the clinical part of things and very less on the preventive part of things. And the distinction you drew for me between how your cities are laid out and how you behave in your public commons is also correlated very directly to both personal and public health. Where you live and how you live matters to how... Uh, this thing you are but parting thoughts on how you see this going forward is measurement going to be key are defining those parameters uh 
help will help drive cities to do better public health on more range of parameters or do you think uh, there's more to be done by civil society and markets where do you see this playing out in the short and the long term definitely measurement is going to play be key but i think measurements uh, will not be the only thing simply because we can measure forever uh, but if unless there's action around what we're measuring we're not going to change anything so i think the biggest uh, areas of work are going to be uh, one around uh, multiple departments working together in a in a city context right um, is saying how do we uh, not lose the plot like you said everybody mm-hmm. starts working on pieces but are these pieces coming together and making sense at, at a city level and that is where of course measurement will uh, tell us whether uh, we're in the right direction where we have to course correct uh, but i i think the piece of all of us working together having that larger view is going to be key um, i think the whole um, you know governance conversation and you've had this um, uh, on your uh, show as well with people's participation uh is very very important to me i think the moment you have active ward committees for example the right kind of questions will start to emerge right why are we doing or not doing and and those questions and and then that action has to move up to the city level as well so i think um uh public health is at that intersection uh, and better health and well-being is at the intersection of multiple things so those multiple things have to work together look at that big picture with action both at the city all the way down to ward and requires um you know your favorite uh, samaj sarkar and bazaar to come together it's not going to happen just by one or the other so on that note shama thanks very much for uh, coming on the show and uh, showing us the light so to speak or the health <laughs> uh, we hope uh, that we can somehow make our cities more livable and more healthier and hopefully using some of the measures you're going to put together to do the same this is a reminder to everybody else to like subscribe and share